0: and in that it actually shows the Greek letters with the English underneath and the the reason why it's important is so that you can see that what I'm telling you today is not a story it's the truth and that our translations are the ones that have as it were missed the mark in translating things clearly okay Now, I'm looking at John chapter 8 and verse 54 here, and uh, we have a couple of words that uh, are important to our uh, statement that is made in this particular case, and so we will take a look at them and uh, see if indeed uh, we can teach you what I have come to learn about who Christ is and so on and so forth now I have a message to preach and I have things to teach so between the two things hopefully we will have a uh, blessed and uh, let's say a good morning okay let me begin with a word of prayer if I might Heavenly Father As we step into your presence now, Lord, we do ask for a clear mind and clear thoughts as we teach these truths from your word. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to be able to verify the truth of who you are and why it makes a difference to us to know this truth. Why is it important that we should know what your name means? Why is it important that we should understand how you are answering man? And help us, Lord, I pray, that we would get a grasp of how truthful you were to those around you, but yet because their ears were dull and they weren't uh, desirous to know you or to hear what you were saying, that indeed, Lord, they they didn't get it. They didn't understand. They didn't hear what you were saying. And so, Father, we pray that by teaching this the way I am, hopefully— that those who are here will not only understand it, but they will also know who you are and therefore seek you as their savior and their God. We ask now thy blessing on our time together this day. We ask it in Christ's name, amen. During the time of my summer stay on Sugar Island, those of you who know, I go up there almost every summer I have a, a dear brother in the Lord up there that he and I have uh, been laboring together. He's trying to teach me how to understand Greek, and I'm trying to teach him how to understand George. Uh, so far, I lo- know a, lo- a lot more about Greek than he does about me. But uh, Terry Conroy and I began to look at several New Testament passages uh where the scripture gives us a very clear statement of Jehovah God's use of this memorial name of Jesus Christ being the great eternal I am of scripture. This term, I am, uh, for the eternal Jehovah, is only used in this one Exodus passage, and that is... uh, uh, Exodus 3, and we're going to look at that here in a minute. Uh, anyhow, just so that you get the point of what I'm trying to get across, it's only used once, once, one time, where God is declaring his eternal being that is self-sufficient, and uh, he becomes the, the savior and he becomes the uh, redeemer. And he is called Jehovah. And so as we look at this today, I hope and pray that it will be of some great benefit to you. This term I am for the eternal Jehovah is only used this one time, as I said. <coughs> uh, we find in John 8:58 of the New Testament translators of the Bible have clearly pronounced that Jesus was claiming to be the great I am of the burning bush of Moses. How many know the story of the burning bush? Okay well Moses was on the backside of the desert in Midian and he was tending his father-in-law's sheep. And while he was there, he saw a bush burn that wasn't consumed. And so it piqued his interest and he turned aside to see what this bush was. How can a bush burn and not be consumed with fire? And so when he began to approach the bush, who indeed speaks from the bush but Jehovah God. And so he... Announces to Moses that Moses is supposed to go and deliver his people uh, in Egypt. And uh, it's kind of interesting because Moses said, Well, all right, if I go and tell them that God wants them, God wants them to be delivered, who am I going to say, you are? And so God tells him. I am, and about now you all would be saying, I am what? Well, I am self and eternally the same, and I am God, a very God, and that word conveys all of this stuff about who he is. It's all of the names of God and his personality and his character wrapped up in one name. And we simply know it as an Englishized word known as Jehovah. And most of us just don't get it. We don't comprehend what he was trying to say. We don't understand the I am part of it, but we will so we find in John 8:58 and 59, Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you before Abraham was, Jesus says, I am. Or if you look at the Greek there, it says, I, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out uh, of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by. Now, as you can see from this text, the Pharisees and scribes immediately realized, recognized, and responded to this claim of Jesus being the sovereign Lord, Jehovah. This work of the Greek New Testament was compiled and translated from the Greek by my friend up there, uh, Reverend Terry Conroy. He's allowed me to transcribe his labor of love and to use this effort as well as a tool in teaching this uh, uh, wonderful truth of our Lord Jesus Christ, claiming the eternal name of Jehovah, which uses the two Greek words that I mentioned, ego, ah, you got it, (laughs) and that's Strong's number 1473 uh, and emi or Ami, very good. Strong's number 1510, to declare Christ's eternal sovereignty and his uh, eternal name. In the Greek, ego is the very same word that we get our English ego from. How have you ever, yeah, that's a, exactly. And we use the word ego for self. And so you can kind of get the connection for what we're talking about. Somebody says, well, he has a big ego. What's he saying? He thinks a lot of himself, you know. So that's how they're using that term. That's where it came from. While a me is a, is a verb, first person, singular, present, active, and indicative, and it means to be. So I, I am means myself to be or to be myself. When found or used together with no intervening words, these two Greek words should be literally translated as I, I am. When Christ is indi- uh, uh, uh I missed something here. By our Lord Jesus Christ, it indicates His eternal, self-existent, holy name, Jehovah God, or His state of being as, or His uh, aseity. Aseity is a real fancy word for uh, his his uh, the study of himself, of his self-existence. John 4.26. Let's take a look at that if we can together. We want to go to John 4.26. It's a wonderful thing to have tools. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Does that sound good in the English? Yes? No? I who speak to you am he. Now, you can see up here on my board that the he is italicized. In the King James and the New King James, words that were added to the transcripts are italicized. In some of the other modern translations they don't do that. And so you don't know what words were added and which ones weren't. So we're And going to look at what's underneath this statement here in the Greek. Here is our, as I circle around it with my pen, here is the ego and the ami. He said unto her, ho, which is a, uh, uh, just a minute, an article, Uh, when you have, uh, sorry my brain is really fried at the second here, when you have a word the in front of something, it's a definite article, okay, that's how they proclaim it as being uh, stated. And the article in this case, as you can see on the uh, text, says, uh, it looks like an O, but it's not. It's it's uh, a Greek word, a Greek letter. And it says, the one, this one, and that one. It's an article, it's masculine, it's singular in the in, uh, statement, and it's nominative, uh, and... Uh, application now it's important that you understand that when you're reading the word the in the scriptures in the Greek it doesn't say the one it assumes that you understand that the the is it is the only one the one God the one Messiah so on and so forth So you're going to see that as we look at some of these passages. So you'll see here that it says, he said unto her, then 3588, I am the one Jesus. Wow. Well, that kind of changes things, doesn't it? Note that there's no word in the English underneath that 35, or above that 3588, the the, the Greek word ho. And this again is one of those places where that they have not translated the scriptures most of it to be honest is because of it being woody or stiff or difficult to translate so that it flows we like in our english words we we like things to flow nice and even and when it doesn't flow that well in the greek they kinda got carried away and said well, we think we can teach this a little better. We'll we'll change it a little bit. And so that's what they do. And the unfortunate thing is that uh, we look at the original Greek and we see that they have changed things and that it does make a difference and that we ought to be thinking that there's only one Jesus. Now, we know there's verses of Scripture that proclaim that that he is the only one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Don't we know that? We know that he is the only one whereby men can be saved. And yet for us to come across this because it states it time and time again you would be able to understand in clarity that there is no other one that we can be putting our trust and hope in, except for Jesus Christ. And we should be able to see that. So, he said unto her, Jesus, the only one, I am he. Wait a minute. You see the 9999 underneath he there? That's a designation in Strong's Concordance for the fact that they have added that word. Any word that's added into the original text is designated as nine, 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 nine. It just means that a word was added. And you see that the word he there was added. Rather than interpreting this as it is stated that I am or I am or I, I am, they said I am he. There is no he there. It doesn't go along with the rest of what the scripture declares. And uh, that's why it's important that we take a look at this, okay? In the Gospel of John, uh, it has a treasure trove of our two Greek words, ego and emi. I, I am, very good. The first place where we see these two words used together and in this unique relationship to each other are found in uh, these, in John four twenty six which is where we're at now. In the context of this passage, Jesus speaks to the unnamed woman of Samaria who is drawing water from Jacob's well. John uh, 4.25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he, uh, when he comes, he will tell us all things. Now, I, I got to tell you, that is a, fantastic description of who and what Christ is supposed to be. Why the Jews never said this, I don't know, but I want you to think about the fact that here she is, uh, she's a religious lady, but she doesn't know the Savior, but she knows about Messiah, and she knows correctly that when Messiah would come, he would be one that would give instruction to the Jews as to what they should believe. All the time that Jesus was on earth, not one time did the Jews of his day ever recognize him as being the one who had authority to teach them what they were supposed to be doing. Just the opposite was true. They got mad at him and they picked up stones to kill him. And they shouldn't have. They should have been willing to hear what he had to say. But they didn't. The woman at the well states, I know, point action, with lasting results, that Messiah, he himself is coming. In verse 26, Jesus declares to her, I, I am, the one speaking unto you. And that's where you, again, bring in the idea of the definite article, I am the one the one who is speaking to you, okay? This author uh, was not able to find even one translation that uses these two words together. However, the New Living Bible does state them in this way. The New Living Bible says, I am the Messiah. Now I'm going to make various statements from various uh, translations that we have in the English. And you'll be surprised There are some that actually get some of this stuff right. But they don't do it consistently. The King James and the New King James translates uh, John 8, 58 as I am. Before Abraham was, I am eternally the same person as what he claimed to be from the Old Testament. The eternal I am of God. And that is the only place where that they translate it properly. Where that every place where Jesus says I am in the New Testament, it's not, shouldn't be I am he, it should be I am as his proper name and his authority and his title as the only uh, one of God. Okay, the original text, in uh, John, by the way, this, this passage is the same as Matthew 14, uh, 27, where that these same things were dealt with there in that particular place. The original text in John clearly writes the words ego as being I, uh, a verb, first person, singular, present, active, indicative. And the second word, a me, is translated instead of it is, or I it is, changing me to a verb, third person, meaning he. Now, you know, we're not supposed to add to or take away from the scriptures. And yet, clearly the translators have done that. They have translated this and they've added the word he to make it sound better to our ears. Only trouble is, it doesn't necessarily teach the truth that it should be, teaching us about who Christ is. And that's what we're really after, isn't it? We want to be truth tellers and truth teachers, not truth twisters. John 6.35. Let's look at, uh, oh, excuse me. Let's go to John 6.20 next, okay? Okay. you had my arthritic hands, you'd be slow too. Just give me time, I can get it done. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Anybody know the context? You remember when Jesus comes walking to them on the sea? Okay, well you actually have to go back even a little farther to really understand what's going on here. And uh, I think when you see it, you'll understand why it's so important that we see the translation stated the way that it should be stated. You remember when uh, Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And then he said pointedly to them, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Christ means Messiah, Okay. You are the Christ, you are the Messiah of God, the Son of God. Well, that plays into what's being stated here, and I think you'll see why in just a moment. Verse 20 says, but he said to them, it is I, meaning Jesus. Jesus said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Now, again in the Greek, as you look this up, you'll be able to see, where that he says that it is I am. Here we have the the two right together. Okay, ego and a me, I am. Now, why is that so important? I am, be not afraid, or not be afraid. Well, because when Peter responds to Christ. He recognizes, because God had told him who Christ was, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Christ of God, that he was the Son of God, that he was the same person who spoke to Moses from the burning bush. He was the eternal God in human form. And when we see that as scripture, as it's given to us, Then all of a sudden, when we see Peter's response to what Christ is saying, Christ is saying that I, I I am. And Peter recognizes what he's saying, and he says, okay, what? He says, if you are, if you are, not in the sense of asking a question, but because you are the Christ, ask me to come to you. That makes all the difference in the world as to how Peter is responding to Christ. The if there is not an English if that asks questions or uh, would wonder about whether something is happening. But it's a Greek term and that Greek term either says because or perhaps or there's one other too. I can't think of what it is. But anyhow, perhaps we'll get across it here as we come to it. Since, thank you. He's been listening, uh, because or since. So what we, what we wind up having is we have a, a statement that is made here, okay? And that this statement is declared to Peter as that I am the I am. Jesus is saying, I am the I am, and you should not be afraid. Think about that. Why were they to not be afraid? Because the God of creation was standing on top of that water, walking to them. And that there was no way that they could possibly die in that storm. What a marvelous and wonderful truth is declared in the word of god but most of us don't understand it because the english isn't honest in the way it's it's done okay now let's look at uh, 635 jesus said to them i am the bread of life he who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst it's an interesting passage isn't it okay let's see what it says in the greek just because i can and just because you and i in our little intimate study today need to be able to see how Jesus is speaking, okay? Here we have the two words, 1473 and 1510, together again. By the way, it only works where these two words are together and in this relationship to one another as far as what Christ is being stated about Christ. And uh, it's there's other places where these two words are in reverse order where it says, am I, or uh, how we would declare it in that way. Uh, John the Baptist said, I am not he, I am not the Messiah. Well, that's a place where this order is reversed. But where Christ is involved, and these two words are together, in every case throughout the New Testament, there's about 40-some cases of the words uh, ego and ami in the New Testament scriptures. Out of those 42 cases, I think 36 of them are where he's declaring of himself, I am. In the book of Revelation, he said, I am the one Alpha and the one Omega, the beginning, the one beginning and the one end, <laughs> which you can't find in any English translations because it's too cumbersome. It doesn't flow well. Well, I'd rather know the truth than just be able to read through it like it's bedtime reading personally. But anyhow, that's where we're at here, okay? Okay, let me give you some of my thoughts on this. And Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. In this passage, Jesus is addressing the desire of the crowd for a sign, whereby their forefathers ate manna from heaven as proof that God was with them. Jesus responds to them by... Declaring this about his eternal identity. John 6, 32 through 33. Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you a true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Did you get that? The bread, the true bread of heaven is one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now, we all quote the little statement in scripture, man shall not live by bread alone. He needs a little peanut butter to go with it. No, you don't use that one? I do. Anyhow, the kind of bread that that's talking about is physical bread. The kind of bread that Jesus is talking about is spiritual bread. It is bread that is not like physical bread from earth. It's not ground up wheat or rye or or what are some of the other things, uh, svelte or whatever other kind of uh, grains they grind up and use. Jesus is talking about the fact that he's the sustenance, the very means of giving you and keeping you alive bread from heaven. Now that's a spiritual bread that's totally different than anything we can get on earth. And we need to understand sure and certain that Christ is declaring, I am the true manna. I am the true bread of heaven because you don't have to go pick me up every day on the ground. God has sent me so that I can give you abundant, eternal, everlasting life. Jesus' life that he gives is one that is totally different because it affects the soul. It just doesn't fill our bellies. It changes us completely. From the top down, as it were, from heaven above to down here on earth where we live. Okay, John 6.41, next. Next. the Jews then complained about him because he said I am the bread which came down from heaven and they said is not this Jesus the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know see they're thinking that's like Nicodemus said to Christ well if I have to be born again can I go back into my mother's womb and be born a second time I mean, that ought to crack us up. No. Jesus, he's thinking totally physical. He's not thinking spiritual at all. And Jesus says, no, you have to be born from above. And they don't translate that word above in there. They don't translate that it's a birth from above. They just say, you have to be born again. But the word again is what declares the birth to be one from above. And so we see again how words have such a tremendous difference in meaning when we look at the truth of what Scripture declares. Hey, I'm doing pretty good. i got a half hour. Now, note what it says here. They said to him, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? They're thinking of Christ as only being a human individual. Remember, what was his name? Thou shalt call his name, what? I can't hear a word you're saying. Jesus, thank you. Thou shalt call his na- Je- name Jesus, for he shall save his people. By the way, Jesus is Greek for Joshua. Did you know that? Okay, it is. And the name Joshua has as its, as its base meaning salvation or savior. And so uh, the scriptures declare the angel said to uh, Joseph, call his name Jesus for he shall save his people. I mean, you know, somebody give you a name like that, that's quite a thing, isn't it? Okay, let's look here now at uh, John eight twelve. Now we're into John 8. Slowly working our way down to John 8, 48. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In John 1, 1 through 4, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that he was the eternal light and life of men. Now, why is that important? Because we cannot see without light. If men are born in darkness, if their soul is black because there is no spiritual light within it, if their soul is dead, and it is, it can't do anything to light the light itself. Can't do anything to make the spark or do the fire. It's got to be God from above that does it. And so when we see Jesus say this, he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Okay? Let's look at the Greek. Greek. Somebody once asked a guy, he says, well, do you know any Greek? And he says, yeah, I, I met a guy down the road here that has a restaurant, a Greek restaurant. You know, That's the Greek he knew. Well, we're not talking about that kind. So here we see Jesus saying, by the way, you can see the 3588 whole, the definite article there, spake the Jesus saying, I, I am. The light of the one, 3588, the definite article, of the one world. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Did you think that maybe uh, God was going to establish a new world? I am the light of the one world that we live in? He is going to have a new heavens and a new earth in the sense that it's going to be a righteous and justified place, a holy place where we will dwell. It won't be this world. This is going to become a crispy critter according to Peter's statement in chapter 3 where he says in 1 Peter there that all these things will be consumed they will be melted down and it will be destroyed and nothing will be left. Crispy Critter. Okay, the one Jesus saying, I am the one light of the one world. Isn't that interesting? The one light of the one world. Again, I say to you, you can see from this how important it is that we understand that these things that were not translated at least be understood. Even if it doesn't read real smooth, we still have to know the truth of what is being declared. Okay, let's look at, uh, let's see, that was 8.12, I need now. John 8.18. Let's go to John 8.18. Now I'm hoping that the people who are out in the audience, not here, but out in TV land or whatever you want to call it, are able to see the board well. I ask, uh, I don't know, Jared, can I minimize the air parrot and get that out of there? With what? Oh. Oh, boy, I don't know if I want to do that. Turning it off and turning it back on. Well, we'll leave it like it is. We'll do that next time when we get better at this. (laughs) I am the one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. And again, we look at the Greek, and we see how Christ is declaring himself, who he is. I am, I, I am the one that bears witness of myself. There's that definite article, 3588, ho, the one that bears witness of myself. And how important that is in the sense that there is no one else to bear witness of Christ except for who? Who bears witness of Christ today? John 17. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. That they can bear witness of who I am. Wow. You mean this? Things all tie together? There is a truth here? Oh, yeah. And we should be aware of it and understand how that it is being stated. And beareth witness of me. The, that, that, the. Uh, one who sent whole, me, father. The father is the one who sent me. Now, again, they're not saying one, but one is there. Remember when I looked at the Greek word up here? It comes up, it says, the one, this one, that one. The definite article. It's there, even though it's not stated because it's implied as the has to be one. The one. It's a definite article. The only one. Okay, let's look at, uh, let's see, that's 818, 824. Told you there was a pile of them here in, uh, in John 8. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins for if you do not believe that I am he. Now we've already seen this several times, haven't we? Where that they've added the word he. If you don't believe that I I am What does it say? Come on, somebody look at it. What does it say? If you don't believe that I I am What's going to happen? You will die in your sins. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, is that really important? I would say it is. I would say that it's earth-shakingly important. But we don't want you to get the wrong idea because it's not saying that you have to believe in him as the he that is speaking of here because that he was at it. You have to believe that I am the eternal God. If you don't believe that I am, you will die in your sins for that reason. Because you don't believe that I am the eternal self existent God. That I am Jehovah. I'm the Savior. I'm the Redeemer. I am the Almighty. See, it's it's not casual thinking. These definite articles have purpose that we have to identify with. It's not just Jesus, a babe born in a manger. It's not a religious story that we're telling. Jesus said, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Anyone here today who is not believing in Christ in this way is sitting under this same condemnation from Christ. If you don't believe I am, you will die in your sins. I'd say it's important. Okay, let's look at 28 now. I'll scroll down the the page to uh, verse 28. And here we see where the scripture says, Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And that, the word that was it, and I do not my, nothing of myself, but my Father taught me. But as my Father taught me, I can't read English, I speak these things. Okay, let's look at this in the Greek for a moment. Okay, let's see. Where'd I go here? I want twenty-eight. Yeah. I find this stuff just fantastic to think about. Jesus said, "The one Jesus, thirty-five eighty-eight again. Whole, the definite article. When you lift me up." When I am lifted up, again, the one definite article, the one son of man, the one son of the one man, (laughs) then you shall know that I am. He is not there. It's an added word. Then you shall know that I, I am. That I am the I am. (laughs) Wow. When we lift Christ up on the cross, when we see that he died for our sins, when that's real to us, when we see that the Son of God died on the cross of Calvary for us, for our sins, it's then that we become that it becomes real to us that he is the eternal self-existent God who died in our place. That's enough to make a Baptist shout. Okay, let's look at John, uh, which one was that? Uh, 8.58. And we'll close with this today. I might even get, get done early. No, that couldn't happen. By the way, Jared uh, has been invaluable in this. This is the first time we've tried to do something like this on our setup. And uh, he actually had to show me stuff about my own Bible program that I didn't know. And one of them is that you can increase the size of the text. And uh, so that's what we've done to make it more easily to read from, uh, from the auditorium. And he is... Uh, also got one camera focused on the screen back there and zoomed in so that the people out in TV land or whatever you want, to the internet land, are able to read what it says because otherwise they couldn't see it, I'm sure, uh, if you have a broad view of the room. Is that working okay? Yes, I see a thumbs up. All right. So let's look at verse 58 here. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, the reason why they had it right in this spot is actually quite simple. And that is because it is speaking of time. When Jesus said that before Abraham was, I am, he is declaring that he existed Before Abraham existed. Well he wasn't lying. He's existed from all eternity. But he made the point. So that the Jewish scribes. And Pharisees. Actually grasped what he was saying. Before Abraham was. I am. I am being the eternal Jehovah God. And they got it. Oh, boy, did they get it. They got it full bore. No doubts about it. In fact, it declares that they picked up stones to stone him to death because he was saying, I am God. They wouldn't believe what he said, but they understood what he said. I wonder if you're in that same boat today. You may not believe what I'm saying. But I'll guarantee you, someday you will. Jesus said, I am. That if you don't believe that I am, you will die in your sins. It's just not a matter of education. I'm not doing this to necessarily teach you. I'm doing this so that you can grasp how glorious and wonderful the name of God is. And how many times he has declared to us that he is the eternal God. Who are you worshiping today? Who are you following today? Who are you witnessing for today? I hope that it is the one Jesus, the one son of God. Anyhow, quit preaching and go to metal in there pretty quick, well, don't I? Part of the reason for this willingness to use the eternal name of Jehovah God as the great I am of Moses burning bush is because the the text, not the text, but the the text makes reference to Messiah's eternality in time. Before Abraham was, Jesus said, I am. You see why they call this self-existence? Because he's not saying that I will be or I was. He's saying that I am now. And I'll always be the same. That before the world began, I am. Not was, but I am. And when the end of the world comes, he is still I am. He is eternally self-existent. He is just the same today as he was with the Father in eternity past. How long was eternity before Christ? God determined to create we have no idea he's never given us even a hint but it doesn't matter because he's always been and he always will be see we think in time and time is you know one hour after another one second after another one week after another one month after another one year after another one Millennium after another, but with God, he is always I am. He is always in the present tense because he is eternal. And he doesn't grow old like we do. Well, some of us grow old. He stays the same eternally. Note one's, uh, uh, (laughs) I have note, but it should be not. One spits worth of difference is found between this text and all the others where these two Greek words are used. By the way, uh, Claire Claire May, my bookkeeper and and, uh, critic over here, you, you see that that's not supposed to be note, right? It's supposed to be not, okay. We joke because... I usually prepare my message far enough in advance that I give her a copy of it. And as she's doing right there, she's reading through it and trying to digest what I'm trying to say. But I do that so when she picks out songs for the uh, service, that she is able to pick out a song that's relevant to uh, what I'm going to be preaching on. So there's method in my madness. Um We have this this, uh, I am that's used here. And the two Greek words are the same as every place else that we've read. The New King James, the complete Jewish Bible, and the Amplified Bible all attempt to convey what Jesus said by using a capitalized version of the ancient Hebrew name for Jehovah. And guess what that was? I am. They're not saying I am he. They're saying I am. Because that's exactly what it's inferring. That's the reference that it's giving. Before Abraham was, I am. And so we see that, you know, very often many of the uh, English Bibles do change this one because time is involved. But they don't see the others and the essence of why it's necessary to do that to declare that Jesus Christ is the eternal I am at that point. So, we see here where it goes on to say, that's uh, referenced, by the way, is Exodus chapter 3, verses 4 through 14 there. Listen to how the Living Bible uses these two Greek words to convey the absolute truth of what Jesus was saying in, di- uh, in identifying himself as the I am, uh, John 8, 58. Jesus, the absolute truth, is... Uh, Jesus, the absolute truth is what I was in is that I was in existence before Abraham was ever born. That's the living Bible that says that, okay? Jesus. The absolute truth is that I was in existence before Abraham was ever born. Before Abraham was, I am. Sorry I messed it up, but anyhow, I say it enough times I'll get it. For proof of their uh, their newfound understanding, that is, of the scribes and Pharisees, one only needs to read the next text, John eight fifty nine. Then they took up stones to stone him to death. Okay? Throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by. Now, there is no... Uh, theological explanation for how Jesus does this. There's conjecture, there's implication, there's suspicion, but nowhere are we told that he turns himself invisible and walks through the crowd. No one has any place where it says that he blinded their eyes To himself only. And therefore walk through the crowd. So they couldn't see him. But something physical happened to their eyeballs. Whatever you want to say. Because they didn't see him go by. They didn't see him leave in their midst. We can't preach from speculation. We don't know. When you get to heaven. Be sure you ask the Lord how he did that. And he will tell you Deuteronomy 29.29. The secret things belong unto the Lord. Just that simple. Okay. John 13, 19. I want to uh, uh, take this. No, we're going to stop there. That would be a good one to do. There are several more that are in the book of John, but we'll not press the uh, time anymore for that. Okay. Again, I'm hoping that this has been somewhat of a blessing for you. Um, As you can tell, this is not easy to do, at least not comfortable for me. If I had a split screen, maybe if I had two, I don't know. Anyhow, there isn't any good way for me to show you what I'm doing in this particular case. And you can't really print it out and get the idea what's going on, because I have to explain each thought process in the in the pattern. My encouragement for this message is for you to grasp that Jesus Christ is not just a prophet. That's what the Mohammedans say. The Muslims say that Jesus was a great prophet. They give him honor in that way, but they don't say that he is the son of God. Many religions around the world teach that Christ is a great teacher, a great rabbi, as it were. Even the Jews of Jesus' day called him rabbi because part of his ministry was teaching them the truth of who he was and why he had come to earth. The Father has sent me. And he says to us, so send I you. Now, he doesn't go out there Uh, tell us to go out there and make enemies of the world he tells us to go out there and make converts of the world well how do we convert somebody how do we convert them from being a heathen to a Christian well we don't but the Holy Spirit does faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God our challenge this morning folks is that we be prayed up And studied up to the point where that the Holy Spirit can use us. I just had occasion Friday night when I went to see my mom. I had a young lady stop by young in my estimation. I'm an old guy. Um, And she was telling me that she used to go to church on a regular basis, but she hasn't for the last four or five years. And uh, she said, "I, I hope that you'll pray for me because I'm really struggling. I can't seem to find that place where that I feel comfortable in going to church anymore. Um, My opinion is that she was probably never really saved to begin with. She was comfortable in church because she didn't really understand what the churching was all about and now that the Holy Spirit is convicting her about her life and about the way she lives and she's living outside of where Christianity would really have somebody live, now she's under great conviction. Going to church isn't going to make you different. By you sitting in wooden pews, even padded ones, is not going to enhance your soul. It's when you come to grips with the truth of who Christ is and you recognize who he is and what he is and you fall down on your knees and you beg the mercy of God to save you because he's the only one that can. That makes the difference. Uh, Brother uh, Doug, would you mind uh, closing our time this morning? Hello. mind of, of these things, Lord, uh, as we go through our week. I'm afraid that you would dismiss us and guide us on our way we we'll go to our homes,
1: In Jesus' name. I don't want to cut us out of a song.
0: You guys want to sing or you just want to go? Let's sing. not a good song. that a good song? Well, it is, but uh, I had a hard time finding when you wanted to oh. But I could sing it. You should know it. (laughs) Okay, let me close my computer so that I've got a place I can put my book. All right, what's the song? 522. In the Brown. Let's stand as we sing together. Uh, We have uh, church tonight at...